a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are talking all about the end of the 2021 college football season it may not have ended how you and i wanted it to end but it did have an ending tyler (laughs) man this season sucked (laughs) y'all um no okay i actually uh every college football season is a great season i did have a lot of fun as a college football fan this season as a florida fan I think that we can go out and say that this was not the best season for us, like for many reasons, but Mm -hmm. continue. Uh, Yes, I can agree with that statement that it was not the best season um, for the Florida Gators specifically. But I think there was a lot of fun that happened this season overall. We're not going to do we're not going to do the entire season recap this week. We're going to save that episode for a little bit later in the offseason. But what we are going to talk about is the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. We're going to talk about bowl season. And if we're just, you know, we're going to be we're going to be honest here. I'm, I'm going to be 100 percent honest. Um, our NFL teams suck. And I know this is a college football podcast, but Tyler and I are in desperate need of a therapy session. So um, you more I than just, I, because because like as much as my team is worse, my team has been worse and made bad decisions like consistently for the last year. So mm-hmm. like, so, yeah, I don't, have, I, I, I don't have much new to talk about. You do, though. I do have some new things to talk about, but oh, I do we'll know that there. the structure the structure of this show is college football. So at a certain point, I will let you know, hey, the college football content has ended. If you want to go ahead and turn the podcast off, that's fine. But uh, Tyler and I need a little bit of time at the end. And I, I just checked Tyler real quick. Uh, yeah, we do make the rules. So we're going to do that. So oh, that's, that's, that's what we're going to do. It's crazy. Crazy how that works. Let's begin, Tyler, with the national championship game. We are recording on Wednesday, January 12th. The national title game was on Monday, January 10th. Um, and we did not record yesterday for multiple reasons, but one of them being we were still too emotionally um, stricken by the result of this game. Georgia has won their first national championship since 1980. They beat Alabama by a score of 33 to 18. Um, Tyler, this not only is Georgia's first national title since 1980, but it is, I believe, their second ever national title. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's the case. Yeah, I believe it is. I mean, okay. in, in eras of college football that matter, at least like. Right, exactly. Like, exactly. Even though I don't even, like 1980 is not the modern era of college football anymore. That's close enough that it matters. Like, I mean, that was a Herschel yeah. Walker team like that matters. But like we ain't talking about games in the 50s or 60s. I could be right. wrong about that. But yeah, this is kind of the third wave of college football. If I can classify that myself where we had the early stuff, then we probably had the like post-war stuff. And then probably like 1990s and beyond is kind of modern college football per se. So, mm. um, Tyler, let's talk about the game. Um, there was a, there were some Alabama injuries. 
Um, Stetson Bennett played like a two-star recruit who was a walk-on who had to transfer to a junior college. Um, and above all of that, they ended up um, having a crazy fourth quarter. Um, yeah. I put in the show notes that the fourth quarter said, hold my beer. We exchanged some jokes during the fourth quarter, which uh, quickly went silent because it reali- quickly realized, oh, no. This is actually oh, happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what'd you think of the game as a whole? What'd you think of um, the performances of both teams? Um, the the performance that won this game in, in all, like you have to give a shout out to the Georgia defense, which like might seem a little weird, but how many times did Alabama, was Alabama in a situation in this game where they had to settle for a field goal when they were in a goal to go situation? And they were like, there was a time that they Bryce Young threw like three straight passes in the end zones that got into the hands of Alabama players that were then broken up by Georgia players. And like mm-hmm. your your thought process is that eventually one of those has to crack. And like it yeah. kind of did. They did score a touchdown, but this game was won by the Georgia's defense. And yeah. it makes it, it it can only it can only respect that in the sense that it's been the best singular unit in the country all year. Um and also the big X factor in this game, gotta be honest about it, Jamison Williams injury. Yeah. Like now here's I was saying this to somebody. Here's the thing. Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy and now oh oh no, now he had to only throw to four stars and not five stars. So <laughs> that shouldn't matter. It's like it's not like cuz I'm like it's not like Alabama lost. Oh, Alabama lost their best receiver. How are they going to cope? They have plenty of good receivers. It's that Alabama lost maybe the best receiver in the country. Their game breaking After- like, and they did that a few weeks after losing maybe the second best receiver in the country in John Michi. Yeah. They lost 2000 yard receivers um, with between the month of December and in the national title game. Like I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that's a bit too much to, to overcome in a way. You there's, know? I mean, like there's at least one or two touchdowns in the, the SC championship that are just Jameson Williams, mm-hmm. like drives and touchdowns. That is, and you take that out. And that, that also is Bryce Young's like probably best game of the season. And this was mm-hmm. one of his not best games of the season. Like he, he just, right. they were struggling to throw the ball. And at the end, you know, he throws a pick and I don't really care about that because like, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, I joked about it on Twitter that that's a Heisman interception to you, but, um, <laughs> but in reality, it's that it's all the stuff before that, that mattered is the fact yeah. that they just could not convert field goals into touchdowns. Yeah, it they was it was very much a it. red zone issue, and mm-hmm. it was very much a red zone issue where they would drive down the field. And I was watching the game with with some friends of mine, and all of them were saying, "Just run the football." And in my head, I was thinking, "Yeah, but you don't want to run against that like Georgia front seven. But then I realized they were averaging something like four and a half yards per carry. So, listen, I understand that throwing the ball was the game plan. I understand that you know at, at the time you have you know Williams and, and all these other receivers and tight ends and such, but. If it's working, it, they kind of ran the football down up until they got to the goal um, to the red zone, and then they would start throwing the worst play in football, which is the goal line fade. Stupid, um, it, it, right? It, it, just run the football when you got you know Brian Robinson there uh, running the football really well. You know what I mean? Like there were some questionable moments where I was like, oh, maybe that should have been different. Maybe that was um, something that I wouldn't have done. But then again, you know when when you're the, arguably the best receiver in the country goes down with with a nasty injury, which we can now confirm is a torn ACL. By the way, that's that was confirmed today. Um, when he goes down like that, especially the way it looked, like it's tough to bounce back from that. Not just on the field of play, but mentally. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the team and rallying around all of that. So 
it's tough, but I agree with you. Listen, the game was won by Georgia's defense to be able to get those stops in the red zone, um, turning six points into three points. And, you know, maybe a win for the analytics department, for the analytics people, too, because maybe Saban should have gone for it on fourth down a couple times deep in the red zone, you know, yeah. especially the way I, that Stetson Bennett was playing in the first half. And, and that's the thing is that um, part of it is that it's that they didn't run on those early downs in the, in the red zone, because then if you throw in first and second, it doesn't work. OK, well, then now you've you've gained no yards and it's third goal and you have to throw. Mm-hmm. Um getting caught in that trap. And additionally, this is a, this is a game that could have so easily flipped the other way. In my opinion, the final score of this game is not indicative of how the game played out. In my opinion, agreed. Cause Bama was winning the first half, but didn't step on the throat. Like they're used to usually Mm -hmm. like the play, the disparity of play between the Georgia offense and the Alabama offense was insane in the first half. And yet Bama didn't really do anything with that lead. They were leading, but they could have been leading by so much more. Mm-hmm. And that is really, that's really the story. I mean, like credit to Nick Saban in this fact that I keep getting reminded, this is one of his, not, not his best teams. Right. Like, um, and he still got to the national championship and looked like the surefire team that was going to win it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's still the goat. But this is the first. This is the the season he had two former assistants beat him for the first time ever. Um, After never ever losing to a former assistant before that, so maybe so. this team just isn't really that great, and he was doing a great job with them because he's the goat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy to think that a, a, an Alabama team that made the national championship game and was leading at halftime, and we and probably up until the beginning of the fourth quarter, we were like, "Oh, I think Bama still wins this football game." Wins. Yeah. That's considered a bad Bama team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's the standard this is he's like, created. Yeah, I mean, of course, and uh, have to do it. Big mm-hmm. props to Kirby Smart, and, and it's kind of true. You don't recruit that well and have that good of a defense year in year out with at least one of those times popping it, like mm-hmm. like getting one. I mean, it took him five tries to beat Nick Saban with all those great teams, and this is. I mean, it's funny. This is arguably one of Kirby Smart's worst of his several teams. Like um, probably the best defense that he's had, but I would say one mm-hmm. of his worst offenses. Um, I don't know. I'm not talking about well, last I, year. I, but, but then again, I, I think that that's right. I think that that offense defense issue, I think this was actually one of Kirby's better teams in terms of pure talent. I that's mean, when fair. you have like two number one recruiting classes and you're in the top five and the rest of them, like it's one of the best teams talent wise, but the issue arises yet again with, with Kirby smart in Georgia. The offense. They said that they were going to revolutionize the offense. They really didn't revolutionize the offense. They have a five-star quarterback sitting on the bench in JT Daniels, someone that we saw do really well at USC. Granted, we don't know the injury stuff. We don't know the personal stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he chose to run out Stetson Bennett. Like, I think that's 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 his Achilles heel. And I think that Georgia won this national title in spite of having to play Stetson Bennett and in spite of a like borderline anemic type of offense rather than off of the strength of their defense. You know what I mean? Their defense was so good that they were able to overcome that anemic type offense. But I don't think that this is this like referendum on Kirby Smart going, see, it worked. No, I don't don't think so. I think those problems are still there. In the sense of, in the sense of revitalizing it to me, it's just like recruiting is so important. You can do all these things, have so many things not working in your favor on your team, but because you've recruited so well, it doesn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. Like Georgia is on the same level of Alabama as talent. And it, like, if not, maybe even greater, that's a tough argument to make, but like they're in the one or two or three ranges talents in this country. And mm-hmm. it's just a, when you do that, it means you're going to be playing in that ballpark and eventually you're going to win one of those games. And yeah, so it, it definitely is a referendum on the approach of Kirby smart yielding results in regards to mm-hmm. the recruitment like acquiring talent. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, again, it's, I say this with, I say this with a lot of things in life is that, um, touchdowns that are juggled and bounced off of three people's hands and fall into the right person's hand count for six points and touchdowns that were drawn up on the chalkboard practice 300 times and execute perfectly. They're also worth six points. So it doesn't, you know, not every touchdown should be taught the way that you score it you know but they all count the same like this maybe building a team this way with that quarterback situation is maybe not what i would suggest you 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 tell other coaches to do but hey he got a national championship out of it right listen i think i think kirby ended up with a result like (laughs) kirby ended up with a result singular i don't know if this is results plural and that leads me to the next question where what happens in the future, right? What, what's next for both of these teams? Because for the for Georgia, and rightfully so, they're going to have a year-long party, as they should, because as they had they one should. since 19... Yeah, had one since 1980, all that stuff. And you know what? To us, they'll probably listen to our analysis and go, I don't care. I want an they Addy, which if I, <laughs> if I was in their shoes, I'd be doing the same exact thing. Nah, um, man, but, they got a Natty and we don't. Like, that's that is... disregard everything i say like right yeah exactly but here's my here's my question with the defense leaving with the majority of that defense going to the nfl draft because it is an elite defense there um we know that kirby recruits well and all that stuff but there is still the question of quarterback and you can only go up against a down alabama so many times uh what's next for kirby and are these georgia fans going to be angsty for more and and are, are they expecting them to be to are they expecting to look back at this game in five years and go that was the moment that the power shifted from bama to georgia or or is this something that is they want it that's great fantastic but there's still the signs of this isn't something that can be happening well, they're, they're mean, not going to be winning this every year it's like when lsu years, had you know the I mean? joe burrow year and coach was like we're going to beat mm-hmm. them in recruiting we're going to beat them every year um this is the start of something and it wasn't like it look let's be real people the only way time that power is going to shift from bama to anyone else is when nick saban retires like agreed let's like we all know it it's not it's not act like it's gonna be anything different now it's very possible it's one of those things that the the thing is george has always been this good they just haven't won this game you know Mm -hmm. like four years ago jake Fromm's freshman year they were in this game. They could have won it. We could be, if they won that game, the, the, the two at second 26 throw, if they, two doesn't make that throw, if they win that game, I mean, we, we're not having this conversation. Like, mm-hmm. agreed. But the thing is, it took them five tries to get there, but they did eventually. So I don't know because it, it's more so that the one thing that Georgia couldn't do, they've been able to do now. So yeah. they're just in a different sub tier that they were in before. And I don't know. I mean, and like, like I said, the reality is 
the power is never going to, my mind, shift from Bama to anywhere else until Nick Saban retires. Now, this is what I love about college football is that everybody complains that it's always the same teams winning it every year. And Nick Saban, decide, as great as he is, does not win it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see. I mean, the reality, again, Kirby Smart did this while, in my opinion, not playing maybe the, the best quarterback that he has. Although we don't know. Stetson Bennett, I we give him a lot of crap, but he was fine. Um, whoa, whoa, but, hold on, hold on. He was bad in the first half. Okay, he's and bad then in he the was, first half. And then he was, he was decent in the he second was an, half. He is let's, an average college quarterback. Let's not act like the, the touchdown that swung the game um, wasn't a free play that he just chucked up there and his five-star wide receiver went up and got it. Like, let, let's... There wasn't much, you know, there wasn't much to do on that play. I think maybe if I had the arm, I wouldn't want to say I could do it, but like don't be uh, like any that. other. No, no, but like any other, I think D1 quarterback across well, different levels could have easily Stetson done that. Bennett there was nothing does not special add anything that. to this offense. Exactly. I don't think he t- I, he he doesn't always take anything away from it. Sometimes he would, but like, um, and it kind of is a show because in the um, first Alabama game, I've heard it said that like. Stetson Bennett was not the reason they were down in that game, but it was the reason that they couldn't come back. Exactly. Georgia exactly. wasn't ever really that far away in this game. That is, again, part of the defense. The defense did not let Alabama push them around. Mm-hmm. Um, that is part of that Alabama's fault? 100%. But we'll see. I mean, like Kirby Smart did this with a average at best D1 college quarterback. If he actually were able to upgrade, maybe they're irregular here. They already kind of are irregular in in this conversation right. they're good and they finally won one so we'll see i mean i mean credit credit to them like i feel like i, I feel like listeners are going to be hearing this and being like wow they're not very happy about it well as a florida fan florida we're fan, not we're happy furious, about it but i'm sick but but there is credit to be to be given they won a national title um they, the defense is was lights out and and look at who i mean who are we to who are we to complain who are we to discredit a national championship team you know what i mean and you know let's i have to be honest again the thing that's weird about it is that like they won a national championship in arguably one of the most sustainable ways that you can do that which is by out recruiting everyone in the country yeah yeah even with not the ideal quarterback situation not the ideal offensive situation they beat alabama and they won a national championship so Mm -hmm. i mean like it goes back to it goes back to what Kirby Smart said, right? After the Florida game. Recruiting is the most important aspect of college football. And, and that's the truth. And that's the truth because you can you can out um in college football, in, in the NFL, the talent level is so close team by team for the most part that you really do need scheme and stuff to separate yourself in college football you can use scheme to separate yourself but if you want to win at the top 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 level you just need better players you, you really just players. need you got that's what players. you need and i feel like that's what you know the the coaching changes at florida the coaching changes at miami uh, i feel like that's what that was inspired by they both went with guys that are recruiting recruiting first i should say and and their specialty quote unquote is in recruiting because they see up in, you know, Kirby's been the one that's been the closest to be to get Saban in that sense. Dabo has gotten Saban in that sense. And what what have they done? LSU's gotten Saban in that sense. What have they done? They just stacked fantastic players 
and then went out there and let those guys do their thing. So but it, it proves it. Do you, do you think Alabama la- in that last national championship game, do you think they'd prefer if they had better play calls or if they just had Jamison Williams on the field? No, definitely just having Jamison Williams. Just on the having field. Jamison yeah. Williams with the same plays that they called probably wins them the game. Like, yep. And that is more of a testament to how close and how big of a player he is. Not saying that, again, not to say that Georgia mm-hmm. didn't deserve it. They absolutely did. But, you know, Jameson right. Williams is the best wide receiver in the country. And he's, they would, he is more important than, oh, we could have called the right play calls here and there. I'm like, if you just have Jameson Williams, you probably call the same plays and you score more touchdowns. Like, right. Exactly. Recruiting, man. Recruiting, recruiting. Oh, ABCs. Always be recruiting. Always be recruiting. Um, all right, so, so we talked about Georgia a little bit. What is next for Bama? Because this is clearly, I don't want to say it was a down year. Excuse me. I don't want to say it was a down year for Bama, but it definitely wasn't the oh, best no, you Bama lost team. national championship. How terrible. <laughs> Did you see the tweet? I saw a tweet. I don't know who tweeted it, and I'm so sorry to that person. But I saw a tweet that someone put out there that was like, uh, as I was leaving the stadium, I was walking past Alabama fans, and one says to the other, oh, where's the where's the title game next year? And the other response, oh, Los Angeles. And they say, oh, that'll be a better trip than Indianapolis. Like, Bama fans already know. Like, they're already planning ahead for the next Natty. They're already, they're already doing that. So it's not the worst world to yeah. be living in where you lose a Natty and you have the legi- – and, like, it's not even like a pipe dream for them. It is a, legitimate, a legitimately appropriate conversation to have of so when's the next national tid- title will like being in that city. It's a likelihood. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they'll they'll probably be better next year because Bryce Young will have another year of development, and mm-hmm. you know this team will be better. And they weren't a very senior heavy team, from my understanding. Um, no, I think that's one of the reasons why I think Saban was kind of really patient with this team uh, throughout the season because he did have a lot of young guys on the team, and he realized the younger, you know, these are younger guys; they need to be, you know, cared for a little bit more rather than the stereotypical Saban, you know chewing people out thing. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure he did his fair share of that, but not as much publicly as we've seen in the past. He was yeah. very quick to praise his players. I mean, you saw that wonderful moment he had with uh, Will Anderson and Bryce Young after in the press conference where, you know, he publicly said, you know, these guys, you know, they, they put us in a position to get here. I'm very proud of them and all that stuff. We didn't see that as much with other teams with, I guess, because they're more mature teams and maybe this team was so young. So they'll be back. They'll be fine. I, I guess that was just a customary journalistic practices question where I asked the question about Georgia. And we should probably say, what's next for Alabama, even though we kind of already know what's next for Alabama. Yeah, I mean, we know. We know. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's unfortunately just not a fun talking point. But like we all know, mm-hmm. it's like I said with like, guys, the power is never going to shift until Nick Saban retires. You know why? Because that's, it's the boring answer, but it is the answer. Like, It's the truth. Is what it is. Oh man! All right, anything else you want to say about the national title game before we move forward, Tyler? I'm sick. Um, no, good. Game. I will. I will be. I will be the mature one on the podcast and put away my Florida fandom and say congratulations to Georgia for winning a national championship. I cannot wait for another 41 years to go by for you to celebrate the next one. Um, that there was my go. little day. nice backhanded compliment. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Tyler. Uh, all right, Tyler, let's talk about bowl season as a whole. It was a, it was a fun one this year. It was an interesting yeah. one. We uh, we had cancellations, unfortunately, for those teams. We had um, exciting games. We had some talking points as well from some of the big 
personalities in college football, uh, most notably from Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard on College Game Day, and also Danny Cannell of CBS Sports. Um, so Kirk and Desmond, there was a moment in the on January 1st, first day of the year, Tyler, just right off of the bat, love to see it, um, where they were talking about player opt-outs and such. And the quote that sticks out the most was Kirk Herbstreit saying, I just don't think that this generation of football player loves football. And then Desmond agreed with him and then kind of, you know, they had a big conversation and such. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Tyler, is where I'll go with that. I do. What a short-sighted, stupid, reductive general thing to say. This entire generation of football players that go out there and put their body in the line every day, man, they just don't love football. I mean, you're talking about an entire generation of people. Even if your argument had any real shred of truth, it's incredibly general. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm sure there are players that don't, and I'm sure there are players that do. And I'm sure that, you know, it's a different generation. They express that differently. And also, I mean, maybe Kirk Kirkshead and Desmond Howard, who, you know, make millions off of announcing this sport, don't say this. Like, <laughs> um, I think my favorite part about it, Tyler, was later on in like the – there's like a big 10-minute clip, clip on YouTube that kind of gives you about a minute and a half beforehand and then the rest of the conversation. Just so you have some context, right? Um, <laughs> there's a point where Kirk is talking about like, you know, he holds up his phone and he's like, you know, cell phones and stuff or whatever. And I get what he's trying to say. We're like, there's much more distraction in this century. Yeah. It, we're different from when they were growing up where they kind of only focus on football. I get the idea, but then he goes ahead and brings up video games. And I'm like, Kirk, if I fire up my NCAA 14 right now, you know, whose voice is calling the game. It's you, Kirk. It's you. So, Aren't you like the number one person who wanted the video game to come back? Like literally, like I, I think the biggest issue here is the fact that the discussion was centered around opt-outs, right? And oh, these players and and the the assumption and the correlation that was made was these players are opting out because they don't love football as much before, which A is just patently false. B is it's not a football decision, it's a business decision. Yeah. The players they that are love opting football out so much they want to get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and they want to be able to play it for another 15 to 20 years. The, the issue is that the players that are opting out, it's not your like fourth string lineman that's like, nah, I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. It's the top of the top potential first, second, third round draft picks that are risking tons of money just by the slip in their draft stock. I mean, Jamison Williams, right? Jamison Williams, a potential top 10 draft pick. He just tore his ACL. Hopefully that doesn't affect his draft stock. It but will, even though. if he drops from, it will. it will. And even if, if he drops from pick 10 to like pick 22, that is a massive drop in guaranteed money for him. So I completely understand players that want to skip games that, which by the way, ESPN, maybe if he didn't run, uh, playoff ads starting in like July and are sub subliminally telling us that the only games that matter are the playoff games, then people would have an interest in these other bowl games and maybe, maybe. they won't opt out. ESPN as a company has been telling us that the only college football games that matter are the games that have a uh, an effect on the playoff and the playoff games themselves. So yeah, maybe it, 
players don't want to play in the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or the Camellia Tax Act Bowl because you've been telling them the whole season it doesn't matter. matter. So then to turn around on the same network that, by the way, ESPN owns most of the bowl games on the same network that owns those bowl games to say, oh, my God, I can't believe they're not playing when you're the company that has been promoting this thing and been telling us it's the only thing that matters. Like this is the, 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 the pot calling the kettle black. This is like the biggest sense of irony in the world. The fact that this company you're can criticizing go on, a problem that you've created. It, literally, it, it is the equivalent of the hot dog. We're really trying to figure out who did this. Like, <laughs> like you did it. You did it. You did it. Oh, my gosh. Um, Sorry. I just had to. I had a little. No, rant there, as but you like, should. It, I, mean, I just think it's incredibly short sighted and mm-hmm, thing to say that players don't love football. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just how it just makes me mad that somebody could. Could, what if the audacity you even say that? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So those are our opinions. Just wanted to get that off our chest. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why um, there was one section where, where Kirk and Desmond were talking about how, you know, when we were playing, which was the late, which was in the, I think they were 89 to 93. They both played at Michigan Ohio at the same time, those four years. Um, you know, we would have loved to, you know, a bowl game was a reward. A bowl game was being able to great. And that it, it still is. But you got to look back where originally there were like four bowl games, right? Yeah. Then they moved them up to now. like 12. Then around their time, I think I looked it up. There's like 21, 22 bowl games. There's like 48 bowl games now, which leads me, Tyler, to Danny Cannell, who one day he's sitting on his couch and he tweets out, I think there's too many bowl games and the Internet exploded. And so I want to ask you, Tyler, do you think that there are – listen, I – Okay, two two What's questions. Your the first one on this. <laughs> well, the first one for you, I want to ask you first. Are there too many bowl games? I don't think so. Personally. Okay. I think there are too many bowl games, but I don't think that's a bad thing. It's it's tough for me because okay. At, at, from the purpose, from the perspective of the players and the teams, there can never be too many bowl games because everybody should get to go to a bowl. By the way, before you start saying, "Oh, we just doing participation trophies," that's all that bowl games have ever been. <laughs> um, bowl games literally are participation trophies. Like that's what they've always wait, been. Tyler, wait till we tell the people that bowl games are just you know economic boom things to bring in money to cities wait till what? they find no. that out wait till <laughs> they, wait till they find out that they're using the college football players who are unpaid to make a whole lot of money <laughs> crazy um so i'm always like there's i'm always good for more bowl games and also i like for me personally i like the unique matchups that bowl season gives us in a very mm-hmm. i just think it's cool but yeah. um, I can see the I can definitely see the argument of there's too many bowl games, considering that the market gets really saturated. Now you just have to get to six and six to get into a bowl game, and in some cases mm-hmm. you don't even really have to do that. Like, yeah. Um, well, 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 I mean, there's there's been years where they're like, okay, we'll do five and seven teams, but the tiebreaker is your academic like ranking, yeah. and it's like, okay, dude, <laughs> we're stretching out here, and that's that's fair. So like. I mean, the reality is bowls keep going up and down and disappearing and um, adding again. So I'm a little all over the place with how I feel about it in regards to like, I feel like, I mean, maybe, maybe there's a touch too many, but like, like what I, I two, think, like I think there's too, too many. many, right? But, I think there's too many, but I, I'm with you. Like, I don't, I don't see that as a bad thing. 
Like, I think, yes, oh, we no, would probably get better. Right. I think, yes, we would probably get more matchups or, or better matchups, I should say, um, if we took it from 48 to like 40. Or maybe we kept the 40 or maybe we just, you know, had a hierarchy of bowls and it was, okay, instead of six and six, you got to be seven and five now. And now the pool is taken from seven and five teams. I think that would be better in terms of competitiveness on the field for these games. But again, like bowl games have always been participation trophies. So like I don't care that a six and six. It's a strange thing because they're they're to go to the Bahamas. You know what I mean? Like that's fun and awesome. It's great for them. It's a strange thing that it's like their exhibition games played at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a unique thing. It's a very unique thing for college football to have. Which is like. Why I do think with playoff expansion would add a to the twelve that they're talking about would add a little bit more interest in the um, end of the season because mm-hmm. um, that kind of how do I say this? I mean, it just it kind of makes it more interesting the the, the, the playoff. But like, of course, the playoff. I've said this. We've said this multiple times. If you are viewing college football as a sport only through the lens of the playoff, you are doing yourself a disservice. You, like, well, you're, you're really not viewing the sport properly. Like, yeah, it's it's the it's it's an iceberg, right? If you see the tip of an iceberg, that's the playoff. But there's so much more underneath that supports absolutely. the top there. College football is the same way. There's so much underneath the surface that supports that tip of the iceberg, which is the playoff in this analogy, that you're missing out on the whole thing. Like it's it, it's it's a very short sighted view of the sport. And honestly, if you're not a big fan of the sport and you only want to drop it on the playoff, that's fine. You enjoy college football however you want. I don't think I'm talking to the targeted audience of this podcast if you think that way. But uh, I think you're you're very much a um, eat the whole hog type of person like Tyler and I are. Um, yeah. But but it's one of those things where there's so much more to college football than just the playoff. And these weird bowl game matchups are just another part of it, you know? Absolutely. So with that being said, Tyler, let's talk about some positives. We're, I'm done talking about media members saying weird stuff. Tyler, okay. what was your favorite bowl game of this bowl season? I think I have to go stock, and I, and I, you know, I'm upset that I feel that way. My favorite bowl mm-hmm. game, I think it has to be the Rose Bowl. Like it was, it, it was good, man. It is it a really good Rose good. Bowl. Like, and I want to say Rose Bowl. Shout out to the Rose Bowl. I know we give them a lot of slack for being very much like, oh, they're they're hard to work to with. Five p.m. Which to is, be you New know, Year's Day, regardless, whatever. But they've had some bangers over the years. Like it, it's worked. Something in the it's grass really over worked. here. Something in the grass over here in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. We get it. You live in LA. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I wasn't even in California when this game was being played. <laughs> um, but no, I know. I, I know. What's funny is that I also I didn't expect this to be a good game, and it was great. Like mm-hmm. so, I I that there were yeah. a lot of really competitive ones. Um, I really I really liked this game though. Yeah. What yeah, was yours? I agree. Um. Well, first let's let's put a cap on the Rose Bowl there. CJ Stroud had 537 yards and six touchdowns. Three of those touchdowns went to uh, Smith. Jackson in, Smith in and Jigba. In Jigba. Okay, I didn't know how to say it. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, 15 receptions, 347, three touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, uh, last thing I promise, Kirk, if um, if we didn't have opt-outs by Chris Olave in that game, guess, we'll, guess what we wouldn't have had? We wouldn't have had Jackson Smith and Jabba's 15 reception, 347 yard, three touchdowns. Oh, so weird. Because he... Because he wouldn't have played. So, da, 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 whatever. Um, I did like the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was great. 
Um, I loved honorable mention. I love the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky won 20 to 17. That was one of those. If you're a college football junkie and you know Kentucky and this was a like Kentucky's the most Big Ten SEC team that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they played Iowa and it was just perfect. It was it was literally perfect in that sense. I loved that. But I think my game of the bowl season has to be the trans perfect because over here we we list the sponsors, Tyler. We're, we're going to give them their dues. Um, the trans perfect music city bowl. It was Tennessee and Purdue. Um, everything about this game was perfect beginning with when Tennessee arrived in Nashville, like three days before the game and their social department tweeted out like Nashville's team has arrived. And it was like, okay, like, <laughs> like they they like listed like three or four teams that have won more in Nashville than Tennessee. And it's like, <laughs> Van- like, Vanderbilt has beat you more times in Nashville than you have beat that. Like it was one of those weird stats of like be quiet. Mm-hmm. And then the game just proceeded to be a 48 to 50, uh, 48 to 45 Purdue winning in overtime. The end of the game was just wild back and forth. It, it was Tennessee scored 21 points in the first quarter, none in the second quarter. It, it was just a back and forth affair, tons of fun. And it was in the, it was a Nissan stadium where the Titans play. And it was very much split. Like it was like 70, 30 Tennessee fans, but those 30% Purdue, Purdue fans were up and added. And it was just a fantastic game. It was really a fun football game to watch. That yeah. was a fun one. That, was, fun one. that one. was a good one. Tyler, what about your favorite moment of the bowl season? It doesn't have to be a specific game per se, but you know, maybe a moment it, it could have been on Twitter. It could have been it on the field. Might, it definitely was. It sucks because this game also might qualify for the next category. But it mm-hmm. was a moment in this game. It was when <laughs> Clemson won the Cheez-It Bowl and their one defensive line player says, I woke up feeling the cheesiest coach <laughs> to, to Twitter. <laughs> that was, you know, sometimes, very rarely, sometimes corporate sponsorships are good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're, we're not. We, we I, I believe Tyler and I to be very liberal men of the people. But that's that, that was, was hilarious. Good. That was hysterical. <laughs> and not only did he say it. It's the camera angle. It was a little bit lower, so it was kind of pointing forward. They're on the sidelines celebrating, and he sounded like the commercial. It was like, crazy. I, I was like, did he do the voice? Like, is this the actor that did the voice of the cheese cheese wheel in the commercial? It was fantastic. Um, I also loved from that game um, the opening kickoff coin toss with the royal Cheez-It. I didn't know Cheez-It had like a ro- line of royalty. <laughs> I am convinced. I am convinced these companies mm-hmm. make up like mascots for these bowl games that they <laughs> I I agree but I also think shout and we will mention the Duke's Mayo Bowl in a moment oh, I promise yeah, we'll you there. oh we'll, we'll oh we'll get to that but I think we need to give a shout out to the social media teams of the Cheez-It Bowl and the Duke's Mayo Bowl because they are in my like in my opinion the Duke's Mayo Bowl and the Cheez-It Bowl should be in the New Year's Six rotation. It, they're that important to me. They they are that important of bowl games to me. And I never thought I would say that because the Duke's Mayo Bowl is formerly known as the Belk Bowl and the Belk Bowl was some royalty in terms of college oh, yeah. football bowl games. So for for Duke's Mayo to come in and be like we understand the legacy of what has happened at this game in Charlotte every single year, we will live up to it, I promise, and they've knocked it out of the park. So that was a fun one. Um Good choice for your bowl moment. Uh, my bowl moment, I'm going to be a little selfish. Be a little selfish. Yeah, I know boy. we lost the bowl game. All right. I, oh, 40 minutes into this podcast and we haven't mentioned Florida uh, UCF, but uh, it was a fun evening. 
uh, up in Tampa, was there for a couple of days uh, tailgating. I ran into a friend of the pod, Ryan Urquhart. I was at his tailgate for a little bit. We were crushing down some some beverages and having conversations. Um, I was in a sea of UCF fans. And I, Tyler, I, Tyler sent you the video, Tyler. Listeners, yeah. oh, I was deep. I was deep in enemy territory. You're better man than me. <laughs> I had one ally and it was my friend Matt's older sister who she was um she was in the Florida band she was one of the Mar- Marchettes I believe is oh, the name cool. the, yeah she was like in the Florida band when she was there so she really she really cared it was fun my only ally there my own girlfriend wasn't even an ally she was you know I was dating the enemy so I, I am dating the enemy so it was uh it was a fun time though it was a great bull moment but on TV I will uh I will go back to to just you know fun fun bull moments as a whole um i really enjoyed early on in bowl season the roofclaim.com book of bowl had <laughs> app state and western kentucky and i would like to take this moment tyler you know what tyler i'm gonna give this moment to you you deserve to say this moment tyler what happened in this game that is my bowl moment my uh, moment of the bowl season tyler what happened in this game Look, I don't know what you want me to say, but what I'm going to say is if no one else got me, I know Bailey Zapp got me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The man broke the single season um, touchdown record, and I believe Go the single season. <laughs> LS who? Sorry. LSU. Sorry. Sorry, LSU. Um, yeah, he broke the single season uh, touchdown record. And it was funny because like they were very clearly trying to do it, like very obviously. So obviously you're trying to break there the record. There was a play in the first quarter where they were on the two-yard line. It was fourth and goal. They went for it, and instead of running the ball, they literally threw a wide receiver screen and had the receiver walk in. It was like anything to get the technical credit for a touchdown pass. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah. So that was my moment of the bowl season. Tyler, next up, I believe we have the same one. It is the Sicko's uh, game of the bowl season. I want to know what yours is. Um, What say you, my friend? I, I had a really funny – there's many candidates for this. I had one that I think I just thought of that I, I just think is funny, so that's what I'm going to say, but then I think we'll probably have other ones. There's okay. obviously Clemson or Iowa State is a big candidate for this. But mm-hmm. my thing is South Carolina State 31, Jackson State 10 is is for me a sickos game just because like the week before that happened, it was when Deion Sanders like stole Travis Hunter from FSU – just mm-hmm. to lose the celebration bowl, <laughs> which was even like my 21 points, which was even funnier. It was just funnier to me that like, I was gonna say, I don't know who's more mad about that result. Jackson state fans or Florida state fans. I'm not sure who's mad. <laughs> That's why that. I think it's great. I'm just like, th- there could be no funnier outcome after that happens than him losing by a lot of points. The next mm-hmm. game that they play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but what, yeah. What's yours? Okay, well then I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna go with a different one then, since we're doing a little alternate here. Um, the alternate one for me is the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl between Army and Missouri. Oh yeah. This ended up being Army 24, Missouri 22. This was I saw the fourth quarter of this game. This was the night before the UF UCF game. I was in Tampa. Lex and I went to dinner. We got back early, and I watched the fourth quarter of this in our hotel room. This game was insane. This game is in a service academy. Um, Army ends up winning the game because they end up throwing a touch. Army wins the game because they threw a touchdown pass. Nah, and it was crazy because it. it was like 
it was late. They threw a touchdown pass. Missouri then ends up going back, scoring again. There's a little bit of time left. And Army ends up driving down to the field and kicking the game-winning field goal. And it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe Army just like won this football game because they threw the ball down the field and then ended up getting a game-winning field goal. And on the drive before, they threw a touchdown pass. Now, granted, I, I, I did say beforehand that this is the most that Army has thrown since like 2003 or whatever. So like they are a quote-unquote passing Army team. Um, but still it's like a, it's a triple option service Academy. Like, it, yeah, it's incredible. It's insane. On the, it does on, stop, how it doesn't happens. stop being strange. Exactly. It doesn't stop being strange. So for me, that was a little sickos game that I enjoyed. Um, Tyler, can we both agree that the sickos game of the bowl season is the Duke's Mayo bowl? Like just because yeah, of the Duke's Mayo bowl? Obviously. Like, and honestly, it doesn't even really matter what happened in the game. No, it's that, no. um, it's just everything about the game, the build-up, mm-hmm. social media, the mayo dumping. Which well, like, well, first, I think the mayo dumping is first, Tyler. Yeah. The mayo dumping is – that is the primary reason as <laughs> to <Yeah>. why. <laughs> uh, to do but it was, it was a good game, game too. <laughs> no, but I do, I do want to give the actual game a little credit. Decarion uh, Joyner is a like, South Carolina local kid. Um, he was a senior – he was recruited as a quarterback and then moved over to wide receiver and played wide receiver, I think, for his most his entire career. And then he ends up, you know, Zeb Nolan goes down. And so he has to step in and, and, and throw the ball. He goes nine for nine, 160 yards and a touchdown. Like and he was crying afterwards and he's just talking about how much he loves South Carolina. And it was just it was just great to Man, see. I, I think these, it, these players don't love football. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. These players don't love football. Exactly. It was just nice to see, and, and it's it's very indicative of the culture um, that um, oh my god, I, I'm Shane his Beamer. name is escaping me. Shane Beamer, thank you, Jesus. That Shane Beamer is kind of created there and and gone through because this is a team we expected to win three games. They end up going. Oh, whoops, I have a have a box score that is making noise. They end up going seven and six and winning a bowl game against North Carolina. Like that's incredible for you know what a fantastic first season. So good yeah. for them. Good for that recruiting. Good, good for all that. So and and of course, and of course, it was just fantastic to see him get a bunch of watered down mayo dropped on him. Which, by the way, did you see how the cooler like kind of hit his back of his neck? I was a bit yeah. concerned about the uh, <laughs> the head injuries that were going on there. Yeah, not not something I do again. But no, absolutely, he's not. a legend for that one. Uh, he is a legend. Thank you, Duke's Mayo Bowl, for and giving you know, us Mac Brown, so much that, joy. Wish that media had more defense. Well, you know, here's the issue, Tyler, was that the media was playing cover two. And, you know, Sam Howell against cover two is just not, you know, not can't ideal. So can't do it. Can't do it. Tyler, final little bowl category here. The underrated bowl game of the season. What's a game that kind of didn't get as much attention, but ended up kind of being really good? What is an underrated bowl game of the season for you? That's tough. Um, I think an underrated one would probably be the Independence Bowl. Um hmm. The uh, the I, I just lost it. Yeah, just the Independence Bowl where UAB beat BYU like by three points. They did. They did. That's that was a shocker for me. That was a shocker to me. And like, so that that's mm-hmm. one that I'm like I've heard nobody talk about since it happened. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's that's a big one. Um, that that's kind of an underrated this, one. It's a good game. Uh, what yeah. else? Real quick. Um. Well, I was going to say, I have a list of a few games that I think are are notable uh, yeah, in ahead. terms of results. 
So I want to say uh, shout out to Louisiana, RNL Carriers Bowl, 36-21 over Marshall. Loses their coach, go out there. They still take care of business. Um, Levi Lewis announces that he's going to transfer after the game. Looks like Louisiana is kind of getting raided, and some of it's by us. But um, most of it, you know, by looks. Us. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, both coaching staffs and players. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting one. We already mentioned the um, uh, Bailey Zappi game in the in the Boca Raton Bowl. Um, where was it? Where was it? I already mentioned uh, Army Missouri. I thought that was a great game. Um, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Kansas State beating um, up on LSU was kind of fun. Yeah, but we knew that was going to happen. LSU walked in with like forty-five scholarship players. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, let's let's be real here. Um, I, I think underrated a little bit, even though it is a New Year's Six bowl game. It just didn't get the attention it deserved, and the attention it did get was because the top two players in the game opted out. Uh, Pittsburgh and Michigan State. Michigan State winning thirty-one twenty-one yeah. in the Peach Bowl. That was a good game. It was a really good game. It was a good game. That game came down to the final possession. Um, Michigan State scores 21 points in the fourth quarter um, to come back and win the game. Like, good on them, man. Great. Good. Mel Tucker hype train. You, I mean, you and I are driving that, conducting that train. So, like, we're, we're on there. But but it was really good. It was really – that was a good game. Um, I then also thought uh, – shout out to Rutgers, by the way, um, who <laughs> five and seven and finesse their way into the Gator Bowl and received like a $3.5 million payout. <laughs> Pretty, because pretty they were able to hey listen it, it just goes to show that you know if you're if you study and do well in school then maybe if your team goes five and seven you can get a call to replace someone win a in a COVID game. <laughs> can win a few million dollars the only thing um, that's also, to that all happening is that if rutgers had somehow won that game it would have been hilarious but, uh, oh, that would have been an incredible moment and then also central michigan leaves the barstool sports arizona bowl um, because Boise State was having COVID issues and could not play, end up going and replacing Miami in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, and they end up beating Washington State 24 to 21. So they get the increased payout because the payout for the Arizona Bowl was like 750000 Oh, crazy. Um, oh, that's so crazy. Barstool being. Yeah, crazy, right? Hmm. Yeah. And then the payout for the Sun Bowl, because it it's like CBS's only bowl game that they have like or only big bowl game they have the payout was like another three and a half million so not only do they get the extra money they end up winning the game as well like shout out to them i can't believe man jay mcelwain i knew he had it in him man knew he had it in him stop (laughs) (laughs) um also another great moment was the canceling of the barstool sports arizona bowl that's karma chef's kiss chef's kiss um, another great game on New Year's Day, Oklahoma State beating Notre Dame 37-35 in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, that was wild. You will not convince me. You will not convince me that the Fiesta Bowl doesn't have the best bowl gifts because it's straight up a PS5. You just straight up get yeah, a no, PlayStation what the 5. Like, because um, like mm-hmm. a PS5, the thing that like no one can find uh, right now, they're just giving them out. Yeah. Well, I looked up like the the bowl, like the best bowl gifts, and I think the Sun Bowl gave people like I think the limit's five hundred dollars per player. So the Sun Bowl gave players a four hundred and ninety dollar American Express gift card. So they just straight up paid them in cash. <laughs> I love that. And then like and then like the other ten dollars is like a, a Sun Bowl backpack or a Sun Bowl like souvenir. Whatever, you like don't a small want little... these players to get these things. People who yeah. hate bowl games. And for that, I love I love the shame fact on you. <laughs> I'm with you. Shame, shame, shame. I love the fact that the Sun Bowl was just straight up like. Yeah, we know you guys want cash. We they're like the cool any, uncle like, of Christmas. <laughs> no, they're the, they're the cool uncle of Christmas. They're like, I mean, I know you just want cash. It's like, yeah, please and thank yeah, you. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so, and, and on top of that, 
Oklahoma State played in a great game. Notre Dame played, had the lead. Oklahoma State comes back. It, it was a fun game. Like Spencer Sanders out here, like doing really well. I was like, what's going on? Mar- hey, Marcus Freeman. Uh, Marcus as, Freeman. I, I think he's going to be good as Notre Dame's new head coach. I think I he'll think, be fine. I think Notre I, Dame really yeah. lucked out of this situation. Like of mm, losing Brian I Kelly. Agree. I think it really went well for them. <laughs> I agree. I think it's going to go well for them. Um, I do want to say in the Sugar Bowl, Baylor beats Ole Miss 21 to 7, but an unfortunate injury for Matt Corral. I don't want to politicize it and be all like, this is the reason players opt out. I think that's a personal decision. I just hope that he gets better and Mm -hmm. it's not, it's supposed to be just a high ankle sprain, which is going to take a bit to recover, but it's not like, but that's not horrible for his, exactly. It's not horrible for his draft stock. It's not a surgery or any of that. So he should be fine. Um, and then, Tyler, I think the last thing that we need to say is um, Sam Pittman, thank you very much. We appreciate Obviously. you. You did the Lord's work winning the Outback Bowl 24 to 10 and ensuring that the nation, the entire nation is given their fully blooming onion on January 2nd per tradition because we can't be out here eating coconut shrimp. Right, Tyler? No. No, not when blooming onions are on the on the line. Not when blooming onions are on the table. So that, mine was delicious. Loved more it. more than the the national championship or anything. People are like, oh, how is the SEC going to hold water for their team? As like t- SEC fans are just going to like they're going to abandon their team and just root for their conference. That is like never true, except for the Outback Bowl. Like it's the only time when I'm like, all right, SC- I wear an SEC t shirt. Like yeah, like like you better do it for us. I'm an Arkansas fan yeah. today. <laughs> I want to go two and whatever. I I want the SEC to go two and whatever in bowl games. I want it to be Florida winning their game. Hopefully one day it's a semifinal on the way to a natty and whoever's playing in the Outback Bowl to win the Outback Bowl. (laughs) Yeah. That might be the only moment in my life I cheer for Georgia if they're in the Outback Bowl. I will cheer for them, but I'll be okay with them winning. Like (laughs) It'll be like blood money, but also I'll spend the blood money. I'll spend the blood money. (laughs) What are you talking about? Get it it off my hands. Like. (laughs) get it off my hands um any more notes on bowl season tyler no. or any other uh, game that you want to kind of give a special of, shout out to unfortunate so a lot of the games were canceled um but yeah well, it's all right. unfortunately i do want to say shout out to memphis for finessing a free vacation to hawaii um, amazing because work. the hawaii, amazing work memphis. the hawaii bowl was canceled when they were already out there so they just straight up had like a seven day vacation to hawaii shout out to them didn't have to play yeah. Love it. A work trip where I don't have to work, that's a vacation. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, Tyler. With the end of bowl season also comes the end of our Capital One Bowl Mania Pick'em Pool. Tyler, I have the results here. Um, Tyler, would you like to tell me what your name is? What is your My bowl name? My name in, uh, in our Capital One Bowl Mania mm-hmm. pick competition is uh, Teach Me How to Diggy. Uh uh-huh. yeah, which yeah, is yeah. based off the West Virginia quarterback Jared Daigie. <laughs> uh which they lost their bowl game to yeah, Minnesota. So, by the so way. I'm, I'm feeling real bad about it. I picked it. I'm feeling too. real bad about it, huh? Yeah. It's okay. My name was Gasparilla Bowl Champion, and I think you know I am not the Gasparilla Bowl champion. So um, but the Gasparilla Bowl champion came in fifth with a record of 20 and 18. While teach me how to dog came out 19 and 19, which means, Tyler, that amongst the two of us, I have had I, I, I have the double, as they would say in soccer. I won both the domestic tournament and the league. 
I won the the league, which was the regular season college football pickums. And I also won the domestic tournament, which is our bowl season pick. So, Tyler, I would like for you to keep an eye out on Twitter over the next few days for a certain video of me changing my Twitter bio to include a certain set of information that I won't say on the air. I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll have you look at it later. on. How do you feel about this, Tyler? How are you feeling today, my friend? I'll take your silence as exuberance and happiness is what I'll take it as. Yeah, the sideline judgment uh, committee was going to fine you if you didn't show up to this uh, uh, reaction yeah, podcast. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um, uh, so so that's the good news. <laughs> Collusion. If some of those bowls hadn't been canceled, I think fortunes might have been different. But no, well, collusion, it's a conspiracy. Your collusion, uh, there's actually uh, evidence to your collusion theory because um, w- we did say this year that we were going to, um, the winner of the pool was going to be able to come onto an episode of, of the podcast during the off season and we would talk about literally whatever they wanted. doesn't even have to be college football related, whatever they wanted. Well, Tyler, it looks like we have a tie for the first place um, and... I, I think this is the worst idea I've this ever had in my life. This was your idea. This was my idea. This was, was my not idea. Entertaining it all in my head. They're like, yeah, let's give people that we know free airtime on, our, on yeah. our show. Yeah, and 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 I think it's only fair that because the winners tied that we have to do two episodes now. Fair. So so I would like to say a congratulations to um, the only variable is time, which is the bull pickem. Bracket from from my stepdad, noted FAU fan, um, Raul. Uh, so my stepdad father, Raul, will be coming on. Congratulations, Dad! Uh, congratulations. You will be we will, we will be reaching out. The sideline judgment PR team will be reaching out to your to, to you to schedule your um, off season episode and 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 what the content will be of that episode. Uh, subject to approval. Um, and then, <laughs> would you imagine if I did like a little terms and conditions apply? <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to be honest. It's going to be whatever you want. Um, and then also tied for first is real Gatsby Bowl champs, which it's called the Gasparilla Bowl. And it's a champion, not a champs. Please. That one is done by uh, my girlfriend, Alexa Altino, who for the second year in a row has come out with at least a share of the bowl mania championship i don't know how she does this i have a theory that she just listens to all the stuff that i say throughout the season absorbs it like a sponge and then because you and i make irrational decisions based on stuff that probably doesn't matter in terms of picking college football games it never does um she actually listens to the stuff that i say during the season and she ends up picking it correctly so she also will have a uh episode where she will be on Great. Um, I do want to warn people, you. The two people that listen to this podcast that disagree with me the most. <laughs> Great. I do want to say, Tyler. Um, Amazing. Just to so you prepare yourself. I asked her last week when I checked the standings. I was like, hey, you have a legitimate chance to win this. What do you want to talk about? Just have an idea. And she texted me legitimately serious. Um, the birth charts of UCF players. <laughs> so... <laughs> I. I don't know if that's what we're going to actually talk about. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know what I was prepared for, but it wasn't that. 
it wasn't that. And look, like, I don't know if that's what we'll actually talk about on her episode. Um, it's up to her. But that's what we're dealing with. That's up to her. I'm sure it'll be something UCF intertwined. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're going to have them both on end of their own individual episodes at some point during the offseason. Um, oh, boy. I This is the worst idea I've ever had. Um, and you know what, Tyler? It's such a bad idea. We're probably going to do it next year as well. Like, uh, why not? Yeah, you know? no, probably are. Because we make the rules and this is a rule that we decided. <laughs> so thank you to everyone for participating. We really appreciate it. We had a record number of uh, entries this year. We really appreciate it. Oh, the, the the scores that they had, by the way, were they were 24 and 14. They hit 94% of the bowl games. Um, I hit 57 and a half and Tyler hit 46 and a half. So those Not were the year. numbers there. Not your year, buddy. In not every your year sense as of the a word. Whole. This is just not in every sense Tyler's of the word. Year. Like, no, 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 no. Um, all right, so that's it for the college life, football been, coverage. In my professional life, it's been great. Like, um, yeah, yeah. This has been in college football, year. it's just not college been football, your year. football, terrible. Like, <laughs> Listen, that is the end of the college football section of the podcast. If you want to spare your ears of Tyler and I complaining for another 10 minutes about our respective NFL teams, Feel free to turn the podcast off now. I do want to say that our uh, recording schedule will be a little more infrequent now that we're in the offseason. We're thinking maybe one or two episodes a month um, with obviously if there's some major breaking news, we'll hop on and do some, you know, like a 30 minute reaction pod or something the day after the stuff happens. Um, but uh, yeah, we will be coming out. We're going to have some fun episodes, um, not time sensitive episodes. So if you want to kind of load them up throughout the season or throughout the off season. And then, you know, Hey, I want to get back into college football, about a month before it starts, you can run through the episodes that we produce. So uh, we're going to have some kind of rankings. We're going to have some, what ifs it'll be, it'll be a fun off season, Tyler. It's kind of what we live for over here. Oh yeah. So it'll be fun. Now that the college football stuff is done, let's turn the page to Sundays. Do you want to go first? I'm going to go first because I feel like you got things to say. I got things to say. Um, and then I'll probably have more chest. things to say later. So absolutely. Go uh, Jaguars got, the Jaguars got the number one pick again, y'all. Um, I'm sure I've people you guys have followed. I have been not shy about talking about how terrible the season has gone. I have this team that won three times the amount of games as last year's Jaguars team would absolutely get smoked by last year's Jaguars team. Um, they were somehow worse. They somehow were somehow worse. worse. And Trevor's been fine. And like Trevor, while being not above criticism and, you know, is still a rookie and there's a, I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you respectively because I know you won't say this. I will say this for, I feel like I'm the uh, key and peel Obama anger translator right now. Okay. I am your anger translator. Trevor Lawrence is fine. Trevor Lawrence is fine. There's no problem with Trevor Lawrence. He's not playing extremely poorly. He's not a bust. He's a really good quarterback who has quite literally nothing to work with. If you show up to work, if your job is to lay concrete on a floor and you show up and your boss has given you soap and water, you're not going to do the job well. Okay? This is Trevor Lawrence. He is making lemonade out of old apples. Okay? Give the man some slack. He is a rookie. He will get better because, yes, there is an adjustment period between college and the NFL. And we did say he was one of the most NFL-ready quarterbacks of all time. But the man has no help there. Just just search on Twitter, Trevor Lawrence wide receiver drops. That's it. That's all you need to do. It's all you need to see. I'm so, done, Tyler. Your anger translator is putting his yeah. foot down. Please continue. I just wanted to say that it's in very, your defense and in defense of the entire city of Jacksonville. It's very telling when your rookie quarterback is the 
bar none on without a doubt best offensive player that you have um that your roster is not constructed in a great way um <laughs> at all so but coaches coaches out or adara uh we're interviewing a bunch of coaches i swear it better not be bill o'brien um I just I don't want to do that. Like so, so I was very much like, and I texted you both, you and Michael, friend of the pod, Michael Phillips. This I told you guys like, hey, the issue with Bill O'Brien was GM, not coach. And then I saw the national title game and was like, yeah, no, I think I get it. I think I get why I they don't want. Try, to. <laughs> I would rather try something new than try or or try like Jim Caldwell or Doug Peterson than mm-hmm. um, try Bill O'Brien. Uh, the big thing going on with the Jaguars is that they have still not fired Trent Baalke, the uh, general manager, who is mm-hmm. even worse than our previous general manager. Um, and has, I think now, five a streak of five head coaches that worked under him that got fired. And Jeez. people won't even take interviews for the Jaguars job. One of 32 of only its type of jobs in the world. Like, yeah. Professional head football coach in the NFL. People won't take interviews because they don't want to work with Trent Baalke. Um, and I, I don't know for blame fact them. that Tony Khan, Shad Khan's son, doesn't like Trent Baalke either and wants him fired. Yes, yes uh, I know that because he has made some reference. I, as people know, I am an avid professional wrestler watcher. I love AEW. I think it's a great, um, great product. Full disclosure, I work for one of Tony Khan's companies. True Media is owned by Tony Khan. So I, I want to put that out there. Full disclosure, I don't want anyone to think I'm being I'm a shill or being purchased. But uh, there have been a lot of like Jag stuff, and I think the fact that there was a there was an episode of a of AW Dynamite. It was the last one on TNT of the year, and they 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 consider Jacksonville to be their home, like their home base. Mm-hmm. They have shows in Jacksonville like every two two months or something, and like the last show of the year was in Jacksonville. And CM Punk, this famous wrestler, comes out and is like, "It's my first time here." Blah blah blah. And he made a couple Jags jokes. And I think that was Tony Khan saying, okay, you can go ahead and make fun of this guy because I don't like him. So can confirm, at least from a viewer perspective, Tony Khan's not a big fan of him. I mean, the big thing is that the Jaguars have so so many talent deficiencies at so many levels. Um, So this draft is going to be important. This offseason is going to be important. We could be better next season. Um, It just depends. And it depends on the coach we hire. I would like Jim Caldwell or Doug Peterson or Byron Lefwich or Kellen Moore or like honestly any of those sound interesting to me. The reality is it's just going to have to see until in, if Trent Bulky is fired. There's a lot of talk saying he will be. If he is, great. We shows me that they're actually trying to fix this thing that they the problem that they created. Um, if he's not, well, it's just going to be the same as it's going to be the same next year. Um, can I can but, I ask you a question? Yes, and then I have one more thing, and then I'll turn the floor to okay. you. And the, do your thing, and then I'll ask you. Well, it's like the one good thing is that the Jaguars ended the the season on one of the best notes they possibly could have by absolutely destroying the Colts' playoff chances in Trevor Lawrence's best game of the season. The Colts haven't beat you guys in Jacksonville since 2014. It's That's amazing to me. And it's an incredible stat. Yeah, and uh, – just absolutely watching Carson Wentz just just fumble and intercept his his way out of that. And Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown after a bad snap, rolling to his right, found, found Marvin Jones deep in the end zone for a toe-tap touchdown. That's the stuff that he can do that he has oftentimes no help in able to be able to do. And it's like right. it, 
that game, every professional football team has that one game a season, no matter how bad they are, where they're like, oh, this was the game that they almost had it or that they that this was their good game because um, mm-hmm. it's a professional football team. That game coming at the very end of the year does help this offseason feel better. Okay. You know? That's good. And That's it's good. like, okay, Trevor, you know, there's things the team did get better in that kind of little sense, but it's just it's just another situation of there's a lot of potential for what could happen with the Jags franchise right now. And I'm just sitting here mm-hmm. waiting for the tweet to be sent to me from Michael that, oh my God, Trent Balky got fired. And I don't know if it's ever going to come. I feel like that would, be, that would be the cherry on top of a very disappointing ice cream sundae from this season. But like you said, that win can project you into um, – you know, into a, be- a better offseason or hope for the offseason. You know what I mean? It was great to get that win, feel so good about it, destroy the Colts' playoff chances, and still get the first overall pick. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to the Lions for winning that shout game. Shout out to the Lions, yeah. <laughs> um, my question to you. Yes. If Trent Baalke isn't fired, if he is retained, how close are you to sell the team? To sell the team? Do you mean like just change ownership or sell it to a different location? No, 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 no. Not move, not relocate, not – no, no. I I know you would never want your beloved Jaguars to leave. Those are your Jags. And listen, for people that don't know people – like people from actual Jacksonville like Tyler and friends of the pod Michael Phillips and a bunch of our friends, uh, Jacksonville loves its Jags. Okay, They love the Jags whether they suck or not. They are a devoted great fan – a great fan base. Um, no, my question is like, are you on the like, all right, Shad Khan, it's time to sell the team. Yeah, I'm kind of already okay. there. Like, because like, mm-hmm. I like Tony Khan and I like Shad Khan in a, in a way, like, but he just keeps making bad decisions with who he hires. Yeah. And it just, and at some point, and here's the thing. The reality is, is that like people like to act like there is a book on how to succeed in the NFL at like a coach or GM position or as an owner. There isn't. There's not enough of these things going on, and each situation is totally different. Like these owners are multimillionaires, and they like just because they have that money doesn't mean they know what to do with it in a football context. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, but like it's not because they're like, oh, here's the five steps to being a good owner with a good GM and coach, and he's not doing the five steps. And it's just like there's no guaranteed person out there that's going to be better than him at this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I'm in a state of helplessness with this where I'm like, I'd be fine if he sold the team, but who's but who buys it? Yeah. Because I, I do think Shot Khan, at least, the very there is something where I'm like, I do think Shot Khan wants the Jaguars to succeed. And wants the the city of Jacksonville to become desirable, centered around that. I agree. I think he. I think he has a legitimate interest in it. He's not this pair. He's not like a parachute owner that just kind of wants to own a team, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, (laughs) I think he actually cares. I do. I do. I do. I do. It's just, but I don't know if. I think he cares a lot, but I also don't know if he cares enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not. Yeah, it's a big investment for him, but it's still not his primary one. Right. And I don't know if it should be it, you know, as a man, I don't know if I could tell him that he should care more about this team that I like, uh, mm-hmm. but I, it just, I don't know. It's just all, it's all this big. I don't know because I, I'm so used to us being terrible. Like, 
Yeah. And is that going to change anything? Trent Baalke is the one thing where I'm like, that is a legitimate impediment to us being good that I know will be, will be a roadblock on our way to being better. So remove mm-hmm. that. Is selling the team going to make it the situation better? Who is to say something new is not always better? True. But we're not maybe, in a great maybe situation. The fact that, maybe the fact that the Khan family is so involved and so emotionally wanting it to do well, a good thing, you know, it just, just hasn't worked out. You know, you never know. You just may need more time in that sense. So. I mean, I know Tony Khan cares a lot. So like, Get him more involved is what I would say. He does. Well, it's hard for him though because he he is the the focal point of AEW and that is yeah. just growing and growing and growing. So it's – um, But he does care about the Jags. He'll like reference the Jags in interviews and stuff. Like he very clearly cares. It's just a matter of – like there was there was a pay-per-view at the end of last season that – or last season, at the end of last year that was like a massive pay-per-view that was going to happen. And he was on the sideline at a Jags game holding like a piece of paper and it got le- – and it got – that picture like went around on Twitter. And like you could see him like creating the card for the pay-per-view on like just him scr- scribbling notes thinking kind of thing. And it's like, OK, cool. Like he's at a Jags game. Clearly he cares but he also has this other prod. You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those difficult things with him. But but I agree with you. I think it's – I think that family – grass isn't always greener. So let's yeah. let's just we'll hope – you know, I mean we'll see. The, the, the pool of people who can buy an NFL team is not large. And not and especially with to the, me, a random person. With, and Denver is about to be sold for four billion dollars. Yeah. Like that's what that's what it's estimated and to go for. That's the other so. thing is that that's the other thing. The Jaguars' head coaching position was, I think, in my opinion, pretty desirable early on in the sense of like if you fire Trent Baalke, you've got a young um, quarterback to work with, and not a lot around him. But you can build this team up the way you want, and you're probably going to be mm-hmm. unless you off the field screw it up like urban meyer you're probably going to be given a lot of patience by shot con unless you absolutely screw it up but now all of these teams are firing their coaches and there's way more are you making are you creating a segue is that what you're doing there's way more openings (laughs) than i thought were even remotely possible i didn't think denver was going to come open i didn't i didn't think the vikings were going to come open and i certainly didn't think one team down south was going to come open it's a bit disturbing when the fan of Jacksonville uses the phrase down south because there's only two more options. One of them are the defending Super Bowl champions. The others, my, I don't, even, I, I don't even want to say beloved. Don't, I don't. don't I'm, I'm Just, mad right now. <laughs> no, it's the Dolphins. It's my dog. They are my Dolphins. I love that. I love them, obviously, but I don't want to say that right now. They're, they're make me angry. Today is Monday, Wednesday, January 12th, 2022 for the record. Um, on Monday, Black Monday, as it's known, because a lot of people get fired. It's the day after the end of the regular season. Um, Miami Dolphins fired head coach Brian Flores in the most head scratching move of my fandom of any team. Full stop. There's been a lot of head scratching moves. This tops it. I didn't include Brian Flores in the list of coaches that I wanted earlier just because I I didn't want to like spoil this for anyone who didn't know. But a hundred percent, I want Brian Flores as my next coach. Like, and if it's very you, telling. Uh, it's very telling that the moment after Brian Flores got fired, a lot of teams were like, "Yo, we sh- people should hire this guy." If if the coach you fire is instantly the best coach on the market, you shouldn't have fired him. You shouldn't have fired him. So there's a lot of reports coming out that Flores and general manager Chris Greer weren't getting along, weren't seeing eye to eye. 
Same thing with Flores and the owner, Stephen Ross and stuff. And so basically it was a power struggle and Ross picked Greer, the general manager. Now, one of these two people, Greer and Flores, has been with the organization for only three seasons, um, turned around a team that was most likely to go 1-15 that season, end up winning five games, including, I think, four of their last five games, um, has no talent around them, coaches them up really well. And one of those five wins was against a New England Patriots team. It was Tom Brady's last regular season game as a New England Patriot. Um, beats them in Foxborough. Took that away. Then from the next forever. season, the next season goes six, ten, and six, and ends up you know missing the playoff by a half a game. And then this season they go nine and eight because there's now the seventeenth game. Um, With but he beats the Patriots twice. Down for like half, like well, midway through the season. Every single game we lost did not include our quarterback Tua Tonga Vailoa. Every single game we lost, Tua did not play in. Let that sink in, okay? Let that sink in. And so then it's a power struggle. So instead of picking the guy that was a turnaround for the past three years, he picks the guy that's been in the organization since 2002. And Tyler, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong from an outsider's perspective, but the Dolphins haven't been very good in the 21st century, Tyler. So maybe, just maybe, if there's a power struggle between the general manager and the coach, you pick the guy that wasn't in the organization for 20 years doing all of the things that he shouldn't have been doing for 20 years. I don't understand this logic. It makes zero sense to me. Like, it makes zero sense. Flores is one of the best, just pure coaches. The man went three and one against Bill. The man is three and one against Belichick in his past three years, in his past four games. He swept Belichick this season. Like, there's there's this thing of this season. Yes. Holy crap! Yes. First game of the year. Last game of the year. Beat him, dude. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense. And on top of it all, on top of all of this, it's just frustrating to see the national media uh, attention around this where it's just everyone saying, honestly, it's everyone saying what we've been saying down here in South Florida. It's this is a dumb move. What are you doing? This is asinine in what you're thinking. And then on top of that, they're all like, yeah, you know, he Flores didn't like Tua and the organization wanted to keep Tua. Like, no, like all the players loved, loved Flores, Tua included. Like, that's just such a it's it's just so indicative of no one paying attention to, to Miami. And I don't have to tell you this as a Jags fan, but like no one paying attention. And they just have these takes that they've constructed in their head a few years ago and they think they're right. Like people like to think that, you know, Tua was hurt for the beginning of his career. Yes, he has issues that he needs to work on. Of course he does. But. He's not a bad quarterback and like he's been doing well. The man has had three offensive coordinators in three seasons. There have been three different offensive line coaches in three seasons. And people are saying that, okay, that's cause for concern with Flores. Absolutely. But Flores is also a first year head coach. He's also trying to, or first time head coach to say, he's also trying to figure stuff out. I have the, I have full confidence that Flores is going to go somewhere and will eventually be in the, in the conference championship or in a Super Bowl and potentially even win one. I really believe it. I really think that he's that good of a you coach. He develops talent well. Honestly, he should. Like he, he deserves he deserves that. Like I'm not mad at Flores at all. I'm mad at the organization, and I think it begins at the top. Stephen Ross needs to sell this team. I'm done. I'm done with this ownership group. I'm done because you can renovate the hard rock all you want. You can install an F1 track all you want. You can bring all these concerts, all these Super Bowls, college football playoff, national title games, all these events, the Miami Open, all the stuff you want down here. But the man lives in a penthouse in New York City. 
The man is more concerned with his school of business at University of Michigan than he is with the Dolphins. And the man parachutes down for football games and doesn't even bother to stay around. All this stuff he's doing is not indicative to him. You think he paid for the stadium renovations and all that? No, he strangled the city of Miami Gardens and decided, no, I'm going to use taxpayer dollar for all this. He, he doesn't care about us down here. He does not care about us. He doesn't care about the team. He can say he cares about the team all he wants, but his actions don't do that. He would rather go with the people that are politicking their way to stay into the organization than the better football decisions. And I'm done. I'm done. F*** you. I'm done. I'll bleep it out. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, my, I'm I done. Like, I'm done. Like, I, no. like, sell, the, sell my football team. Sell my football team. I do not want you as an owner. Wayne Huizenga sucked, but at least he was down here and at least he was, one, he was like someone from down here and his business grew up down here and all that stuff. This man is just... Ugh. Because like all those decisions he's made, none of them have, have 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 worked out. And then the one decision he makes, which is to bring in Brian Flores, it's a very clear step in improvement in what's going on. He just decides to cut the snake off or cut the chicken off the head off of the chicken and just let everything go go to waste. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. You had Josh Gad, Olaf, out here being like, This is the stupidest decision the Dolphins ever made. Which uh, no, I didn't but, but know that Josh, Josh Gad was Josh a- Gad's one of us. Josh Gad's one of us. I didn't he, know he's he's Dolphin. that's that's great. Like, oh, he's he, he's from Broward. He went to Coral Springs High School. He's a he's a big Heat fan. He's he's Heat season tickets. He's a Dolphin fan. He's a South Florida guy. He's one of us. He's one of us. And he like care and he pays attention. Like he really watches I, all the. Well, yeah. that's one of the things I have liked about him is I've seen. Him, I'm like, oh, he's actually like, paying attention to stuff. Like, um, yeah, he gets it. He no, gets I it. mean, like, yeah. He, if you if you look at look up his Twitter, he he talking about like why are people getting mad at Tua? He's not the problem. It's the offense. Like he he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. So I just. It's so stupid. It's such a stupid move. Like, the Dolphins have not been as good as you've been the last two seasons in a long time. Tyler, the only we won back, we went over 500 back to back seasons. That was the first time we had, we finished uh, above 500 in back to back seasons since 2002, 2003. And the truly unfortunate thing is that, like, so many circumstances happened that you missed the playoffs both years when you could have made it. That we're, so, no, listen, like, we and shouldn't like have lost. Listen, no offense. We shouldn't have lost to the Jags. We should have beaten. We should have beaten the Raiders in overtime. That's two more wins. I think we slipped up in a couple. Like we should have had like five losses this season. And if Tua doesn't get hurt, I know people don't want to hear this because everyone thinks that Tua is a Division three quarterback or something. But if Tua doesn't get hurt, we win. We're in a better position in those football games. We do a better job. You know what I mean? We're 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 playing this weekend if Tua doesn't get hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I get it. There was a seven game losing streak, but then there was a seven game win streak. Like, you know how good of a coach you have to be to be able to flip that switch and get these guys to buy in? We were in legitimate playoff contention. Like both years. <sighs> and and it sucks that if one or two things are different and he makes the playoffs, maybe this decision doesn't get made. But I just mm-hmm. don't get it. Yeah, no, because in the press release, in the press release, Stephen Ross was saying, like, you know, we we expect it to be this isn't what we this is our expectations or whatever. And I love that. I love having high expectations. That's what we should have. But you gotta be a realist, man. You gotta they, read they, the room and look at the past context. 20, 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, like, man. We haven't had a court, we haven't had a legitimate quarterback since since Marino retired. The closest thing we had was Ryan Tannehill. And you couldn't get an offensive line to protect him. And look what look what the Titans did. They got an offensive line to protect him, and he led them to a conference championship last year. He's not an elite quarterback, but he is good enough. I think Tua is better than Tannehill, but isn't at the elite level. Should Herbert have been picked? This might be the first time I've ever admitted it. Yes. 
Herbert is yeah, a better it's quarterback. Hard, it's hard to you can't argue with that. Is that I don't think Tua was a no. bad pick. I think right. Herbert so far would have been the better one. But it's like Tua has been working. Tua was not a bust at all. Is the is the issue? Yeah. Now, and if we're saying anything, it's a miracle that Tua is doing all of this stuff with a bad offensive, with no offensive line, with three coordinators in three years, with three offensive line coaches in three years, and all of those hoopla surrounding the Deshaun Watson potential trade, which would. On the record, I'm on the record for saying is a horrible idea. And that was might be the one thing that might legitimately have me not watch Dolphin games. But like there's been all these things and he's performed. I'm not saying that if I'm not saying that Herbert isn't I'm not. Let me put how do I put this? If Tua was drafted by the Chargers, I think we would have a different opinion of him because he would he's in a better situation to succeed right now. Yeah, I think Herbert is better over. It's just a better quarterback. And yeah, obviously you should probably take the better quarterback if you have the decision. But I think if He's Herbert also was in, in Miami, situation. that's the thing. If Herbert was in Miami with all of what's going on, we wouldn't think of Herbert the way we think of him now. Not Tua to say he could Keenan become Allen. that. Tua don't got Ken Allen. Or Austin Eckler or an actual offensive line or a, co- or, or a coach that is an offensive minded coach that is indicative towards leaning towards him. He has that stability at that, at that, as that, uh, in that department and stuff. Versus Tua has not had any of that. It's a miracle he's been able to do this stuff. So it's just frustrating. I don't understand why you pick Flores over the guy that's been here for 20 years. And clearly it's just a circle of ineptitude. And I, you know, and you know what's crazy? I was texting my cousin Vinny, who's also a Dolphins fan. We were talking on Sunday after the game, after we beat the Patriots. We were talking about the season and we were like, man, what could have been? And I straight up, I, I, oh man, let me, I'm pulling it up. I straight up said to him, He's looking it up. Let me see. I am. I am. Want to get the um, accuracy? So he gave me the information, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the Niners win cost us like five draft spots, which sucked, by the way. And I said, we're always so close, yet so far away from success. We need to get into the playoffs at a minimum next year. And then I said, probably should have done it this year. This probably was the year. And then the next text I said was, I love Flo too. I would hate for him to be the scapegoat. I'm showing Tyler. Yeah, that's true. Showing Tyler. And then and then what is it? Two texts later, Monday, 10 a.m., Flores fired. What was the, what Flores was the fired. Ross needs, Ross needs to sell the team. That was my text <laughs> to him on the next day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it's. It, I feel like he was scapegoated. It doesn't help that apparently he was beefing with, with a Greer. Um, but yeah, that's this is when, when, when you when – you, I'll, I'll end it with this. If you fire your coach – and he instantly becomes the best coach available on the market. You shouldn't have fired this coach. I'm ta- I have a bunch of Giants fans in the in the group, and someone was like, "What? I, like, I would I want Brian Flores?" And I just replied, "Hey, the Dolphins should should hire that guy. He seems like he's a good coach. <laughs> he's like a good seems guy. like he should." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, all right, hey, I needed that therapy, hey. man. I haven't gotten it off my chest in a couple of days. It's okay. Who do you want as your next coach? Because now you were forced to have. I that haven't problem. even begun to think about that, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Quinn. I haven't even begun. I don't care at this point, man. Like, <laughs> so, like I, that hire is going to be so underwhelming. Yeah. Regardless of who it is, it could be, it could be, may God rest his soul. It could be Don Shula reincarnated. <laughs> and I'd be like, eh. <laughs> like, you just don't care don't anymore. Know, <sighs> Cause even Don Shula reincarnated. No, man, isn't gonna like, do anything really... Steven Ross tells the team. Oh my God. I know. That's the thing, man. Like I, it's just so, it's ex- it's exhausting being a Dolphins hey, fan. 
Hope you get Eric. Listen, I know, I know you feel me. I know you feel me. Yeah, I know you. I know you do, brother. But this was just like, even after like a back half of the season that got me re reignited in the Dolphins. Oh my God, we win out, we make the playoffs. Okay, we lose to the Texans or, or Texans. We lose to the Titans. Okay, great. Let's just let's let's mess with New England. Let's beat New England, and then we do it in the rain at home in front of a damn near packed house. It was pretty full that 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 game, man. Like. And then the next day, it's just like, woof, the, the air is blown out of the balloon. It's like, oh. I'm sorry, man. I know. It's I, just frustrating, man. One good thing is that I think Eric Bannemi is finally going to get a job this offseason. Knock on wood. I hope, man. I really do hope. And I hope, honestly, you did ask the question, who do you want? I would like to see Jim Caldwell. Like, see, just I gut think re- the, just the gut. only thing about Jim Caldwell is that he is old, mm-hmm. but he's got such a great track record. Yeah. Um, that I'm like and he he knows how to hire around him. He's good at that. That's the thing. Is like well, especially for the Jaguars who've been so tumultuous the last couple of seasons. I'm like, I need somebody who knows what they're doing. I need which it's tough. Well, Jim, like, I I would love Byron Leftwich for the story. I'd love Eric Bieniemy because he deserves a shot. Um, and mm-hmm. the offensive mind with Trevor Lawrence, I think would be great. But the thing with Jim yeah. Caldwell is just like we need some freaking stability and an adult yeah. in this room, please. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how. Yeah. And I'm honestly saddest for the players for, in terms of the Dolphins because there were a bunch of interviews and stuff this past couple of days and reports in the Herald and the Sentinel saying like, no, man, like we, we, we were playing for him. Like he, you know, it was one of those traditional like, oh, no, we love the coach. Like he didn't lose the locker room at all. If anything, he got a better locker. Like he improved morale and all that stuff. Like it was just he fixed all the stuff that Gase left us. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, I don't understand. Listen, I, I, I do want to say Caldwell – was in on our staff in Flores' first year as like an advisor. Um, so he does have familiarity with the locker room. He has familiarity with um, that idiot Chris Greer and stuff. So maybe there's a relationship there and maybe he lets him do it. I don't know, man. But alas, that was there. That was our NFL therapy segment, which ran a half an hour. But um, I think you needed it, it. It is what you it is. You needed it more than I me. I think we, we both needed it. We both needed it. <laughs> yeah. You need it a little I'm trying more to say than me. So I'm trying to say that so I don't feel so bad about myself. Okay, to hope good realize. to know. Good to know. <laughs> oh man, Tyler, I don't know when we'll be back. Um, probably in a couple weeks or so, we'll 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 work something out in terms of an off-season topic. We will be talking to Raul. We will be talking to Alexa, figuring out when they can have their episode during the off-season. Birth. Um, <laughs> I can't. I know. I know. Thanks, brother. I love you. Thanks for putting up with me. And my stupid ideas. <laughs> oh, man. Tyler, anything else you want to say before we sign off? <sighs> um, another season of college football come and gone. Um, yeah. This one had a terrible ending. But um, mm-hmm. for me, just for, for us, the Florida fans. But yes. Uh, but still love college football as a sport and uh, never lost a season. But even tough ones like this one, they still have so many great things in them. And it's, I'm really excited for the future, but that's also because, like, again, all of my teams are hiring new people. So, like, there's a lot of, at least for me, um, there's a lot of excitement in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what Billy Napier is doing and is reigniting my excitement. Because, like, that's the tough thing. When you go into college football season expecting it to go one way and then it gets really worse, it's so easy to stop caring. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, <laughs> And now I'm reignited back in my interest and I'm very excited for, there's been a lot of coaching shakeups this off season with, you know, everything going around and I'm excited to see the new picture of college football that is getting painted. Yeah, me too. And listen, 
with all that's going on with my sports teams, the the only happy spots that I have are the Florida Panthers and my man Billy Napier. He he is just instilling hope in all in all of us. He is. This is what he's doing. Let's hope it lives up to it because I don't know if I can do oh, this that again, would be man. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope, my man. Um, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, but go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators.